Mr. Rainwater. Hey, what's up? I'm alive. Yeah, you survived the 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 virus. I am several. Wait, hold on a second. I tested negative Sunday Sunday morning, mm-hmm. but I had tested so. Hi everybody. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I I beat the Rona this week. Uh my whole family did. Uh I tested negative on Monday, last Monday. Then I tested positive on Tuesday, and by Sunday I tested negative again. But it was definitely a ride, and as you can tell from my voice, I've got sexy post cold voice. <laughs> So I am definitely feeling this podcast right now. Are you now. still feel... missing uh, your sense of taste? No, I okay. did. I lost it for about forty-eight hours. So Dang. Tuesday night, I had had a sore throat probably about Sunday. Monday, it was feeling a little bit more. It was like dry mouth. Tuesday, I was definitely feeling it. Yeah. Um. Wednesday, Thursday, I was kind of like I was just really tired, and I just gave myself permission to do nothing. Mostly like a drippy nose cough kind of deal it wasn't nothing crazy yeah yeah. Uh, my wife said i had a fever but i didn't feel like i had a fever uh but then thursday i was feeling better friday i felt fine but friday night i was eating popcorn watching movies and i realized i can't taste this i ran upstairs (laughs) sprayed some axe on my wrist and you can smell (laughs) axe there's no fucking denying axe couldn't smell it could not believe it came downstairs did a shot of whiskey couldn't taste it but the thing that i did learn was whiskey still burns even if you can't (laughs) taste it (laughs) um but then uh so yeah i went saturday without taste uh by sunday afternoon i was getting notes i could taste like a little bit and by sunday evening i was feeling 80 percent back this morning good to go yeah. It was almost like all my taste buds got murdered and then new ones grew up that have not <laughs> been that have not been uh, damaged due to excessive Coca-Cola drinking. So it's almost like I've been retasting things uh, for the first time ever. But that's not why everybody's listening yeah. to us today. Uh, we're doing something a little fun, kind of artsy, kind of not. Have, did you ever watch Inside the Actor's Studio? All the time instead of going to church. So, because <laughs> it came on on Sundays on Bravo. And so, like, my family would be at church and I'd be like, I'm, well, I'm not doing that shit. So, what am I going to do? And, you know, that show was on and I would watch it pretty much every morning. I remember watching it on, I think it was just repeats. I would watch re- whenever it came on when we were at Scan. Sure. And then, like, you know, when you could track down an episode on YouTube. I would watch like the Robin Williams one, like on, on like it's fucking legendary. Uh, I believe I even bought it on DVD. That's how much it is. But anyway, uh, today me and Rainwater are doing the Pivot Questionnaire by Bernard Pivot, which is the questions that James Lipton would ask his guests at the end of every episode of right uh, inside the actor studio. James Lipton is no longer with us, so he can never. Ask me in rainwater these questions when we get big time famous and <laughs> da, 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 da. Now I'm not saying we're committed to these answers because we might get asked them again in the future and things change. But for the fun of it right now, we're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna answer the questions. I, I think also this is a great exercise in spontaneity, which is at the heart of all creativity, right? Is like being in a sure. place where you can Comfortably say the first thing that comes to your mind and not second guess yourself on like your your responses. Yes. Um I was planning on planning ahead and looking at all these questions and thinking <laughs> up my answers, and I just never got around to it this week. Obviously, because of the topic that we discussed in the first 30 seconds. Uh the Rona will definitely distract you. Um so anyway, let's get into it. Mr. Rainwater. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Oh, God. Um, uh, the one that I say all the time is, that's interesting. It's not really a single that's word. That's a phrase, but, but... Interesting. You know what I mean? Interesting. interesting. That's, one of my, that's one of my favorite words, because I'm constantly on the lookout for, like, what's strange, new, curious, um, what people... What I, I'm, I'm always interested in looking for, like or hearing things I haven't heard before. 
Um, hmm. I actually am having kind of an issue with a lot of podcasting recently because like i kind of am hearing people say the exact same thing over and over again Ooh. and i get bored i'm just like it's not really y'all don't really have anything interesting to say or you don't have an interesting like um ad- thing to add to whatever you know current event is going on or whatever you know like and that's always interesting to me because like there's so much I don't know, there's so many different ways to look at a particular thing. You know what yeah. I mean? But for yeah. you, Jam. I was going to say really quick, though. Yeah. That's exactly why. Do you remember, like, not near when we started this podcast, but shortly after, whenever we were talking about, like, doing, like, a movie review type podcast and stuff. And I, I told you, I was like, I'm not interested in adding to the noise pollution of everybody talking about a movie and, you know, Pretty much having the same overall, you know what I mean? It it falls on one side or the other of a coin. You either hated it and it's for these reasons and it's always the same reasons, or you loved it for these reasons and it's always the same reasons. Yeah, That's one of the reasons why I almost never want to talk about reviewing movies. Because it's like, who the fuck are, not you per, per se, but you in general, the people that are talking about it, who gives a shit? Like... Your friends do, and that's the point of consuming, you know, art and media and storytelling is, you know, you discuss it afterwards with people close to you and you gain their perspective and it's an insight into them. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. almost like a, a, a medium or a story or a piece of work is a lens in which you get to see your friends, they get to see you. It's like a telescope. You get to look both ways through it and learn and, something. And I think I think the only way to really get at that topic at this point too is to to no longer review movies, but just fucking talk about them. Talk about how you felt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. Not right. even getting into the like, should I see it? Should I not? Who cares? Like it's, right. You're yeah. a fucking grown ass adult who can make voluntary decisions. You're ultimately gonna make yeah. that decision you know it's more to me what is always more interesting is just what for you personally came up when you saw this movie what right. what did you respond to on a very personal level because everything else is just really right. yeah what you're saying is kind of pointless it's well, like i was talking about with the um intentional fallacy thing right because it, it doesn't matter necessarily what the artist's intent was um, it's really dependent upon your experience both watching it and your prior experiences entering it. Like that, you know what I mean? Like those inform how you consume it. Um, so that's really that and and that's that's why I say like any kind of story, like how people interpret it, like so Last Jedi, me and you talk about it all the time, whatever. I hated it, you didn't. And you your favorite word, interesting is is a window right there exactly why i like that movie (laughs) because right you found it interesting yeah i mean i i I guess you could watch a a plane crash and find it interesting like yeah you can (laughs) that's what it is to me you can make anything interesting if you have a if you're able or willing to tweak your perspective on it too right and that requires a certain amount of i don't know willingness right like there's kind of a playfulness to it in order to, to go that way Right. So, I mean, that that's that's kind of very, the interesting thing to me about that. But anyway. <laughs> All right, Jal. So how about you? What is your favorite word? Believe it or not, and I'm not making this up just because I took a sip of my soda. Effervescent. It's a good one. <laughs> what, uh, what in particular about that word? I just want to point out that we are breaking the rule. Of the James Lipton questionnaire, which is where you're not supposed to explain your answer necessarily, but I don't care. We're having We've got to this, fill this up a podcast. An hour of content, <laughs> I know we already have a backup plan though. Um, number one, and this is really the, the I mean the definition of it is you know of a liquid giving off bubbles or fizzy, or the second definition vivacious and enthusiastic, and that's that's kind of the one that I like a little bit more. It's a not only is it fun to say, that's my first and foremost yeah. reason for it. Effervescent is just fun to say. But I like the idea of energy, positivity, pop, 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 pop. Not, not so much the fizzy, but the idea of throwing out enthusiastic, positive ideas, rapid fire. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's one thing to just be, here's a positive idea. All right. That, that sucked. That didn't work. But if somebody has that energy where it's like, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea. One of them is bound to be good. And oh, I yeah. feel like when you're collaborating with someone, when you're discussing with someone, when you're working with someone, not only is that contagious, right? In the, in the good way, not the Rona way. Um, well, that I guess it is. It's all contagious is all the same, but, um, <laughs> but I, I like the idea of better, better odds of good sure. things coming out of something. So sure. the more ideas that someone's willing to, and it's also said it, when someone's effervescent, it's a level of sincerity and trust in terms of a relationship where you can be not necessarily bubbly and positive and happy. Cause I know people, plenty of people who do that and are fake as shit. There is a comfort and a trust with the person that you're with. When you throw out ideas when you throw oh, out yeah. a positive emotion, rapid fire like that, sure. that really it's just authentic and meaningful to me where it's yeah. like, okay, I'm comfortable with this person enough that, or they're comfortable enough with me that they trust me to be the, be vulnerable, to, to fuck up, to have a bad idea and not yeah. be ridiculed about that, that is, kind of, I think you touched on actually. What makes a relationship like that work is uh, somebody being able to hear a bad idea and they're not going to like, it's not going to negatively impact anything. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Where like somebody can hear you when you're just throwing out bullshit and it's just like totally accepts all of it. Mm. Right. Like that's, um, that's invaluable. That to me, that, that, that's effervescent. That's, that's that's what I like to ride with. What is your least favorite word? Uh oh god. I would say I, I would say there's so many that I don't like. <laughs> but what is the number one? Um probably it's probably no. Like just shooting down an idea. Mm. That one, that one, like, um, rejection in that sense. Or like, this is not the same thing, but sort of like, oh, we're sorry. That kind of, that's the thing that's so interesting because people don't really say no nowadays. Mm. They say no by filling it up with lots of words. A, a more polite way. They have an excuse for why, you know, oh, we don't want to fund this project or we don't want to, you know, we don't think that this is a good idea for going forward with this or this or that. When in reality, I'm sure there's a word out there that probably better encapsulates what I'm trying to say. But like, when in reality, like, I would rather be in a be in an environment or in a place where people are free to experiment and try things and just like kind of going back to what you're saying with effervescent where it's just like let's see what works we don't really live in that kind of society yeah. right now we don't really live in that kind of society where you can just like openly find out what works kind of deal with the you deal with the fact that things aren't some things aren't going to work out you know what i mean and but that's okay, right? Because within all those failed attempts, there's going to be um, there's going to be like there's going to be there's going to be things that are so effective and so powerful out of all those failed attempts that it'll make up for all the failed attempts ultimately, long term. And so maybe the better word is failure. I don't really mm. like the word failure because I don't feel like that's a real, I don't really feel like that's a, a, a real thing. Like failure is just success playing out over the course of many different attempts. How's that expression go? It's like you either succeed or you learn. Isn't it something like that? Sounds about right. I don't, I haven't heard that expression. I've heard that. So it's, I'm, I'm screwing it up right now, but I'm pretty sure that that's, that's a thing. It's either you succeed or you learn. That's like, those yeah. are the two outcomes to any given effort. Um, going back to the word, no. Um, 
I'll tell you what I don't like about it. It's not my word, but there's both a finality and a, I don't want to call it submission, a surrender yeah. with the word no or giving up. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not a fan of Yeah, of I think never thing. is actually the word that I'm looking for. Okay. Never, because it's a nonsense word, right? Like it doesn't, if you play anything out in the grand scheme of time, never doesn't really make that much sense. If you go on forever and I mean, you know, everybody yeah. has finite lifetime, but right. You know, being told that this will never work or that can never happen or whatever. It never, <laughs> it never like <laughs> seems true to me. <laughs> never say never, Mr. Rainwater. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, Jal, how about what is your least favorite word? All right, so it's very close to yours, right? Or with your first, your original answer, which was no. My least favorite word, and I'm going to have to spell it to differentiate here, is O. O-H, period. Okay. Because when you hear that, when you hear somebody go, oh, there's a judgment going on. So before I talked about with effervescent, I've talked about that trust and that ability to fail or be different, think differently. When you hear O from somebody, there's a judgment going on. And I immediately, like it makes my skin crawl. It makes me retract within myself. It's like I've overstepped my bounds of how comfortable I can be around this person, like being myself. And they're uncomfortable, which makes me uncomfortable. It also sure. makes me feel more isolated and alien, I guess is the right word, with normal people. We talk about this all the time with artists. You know what I mean? Like you, we all fit in with each other, but even among artists, like you look at other artists and you go, yeah, I don't fit in with that person. I'm, I relate yeah. to them closer than I do to quote unquote normal people, sure. but I do not, I do not exactly them. And you know, it's the thing that artists all have to kind of accept in their lifetime is that they are individuals more so than anyone else. Um, but when you hear the word, when you just hear somebody go, Oh, it just, it, it completely sucks the air out of my enthusiasm, my comfort, my willingness. I start retreating into my own head. I start questioning everything I did, everything I was going to do, everything I could be, um, what the possibilities are going to be become. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels yeah. like I'm, the spotlight is on me in the all the wrong ways all of a sudden. I hate sure. hearing someone go, oh. <laughs> because it just means there's 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 miscommunication yeah, about it. It's a, and that's it's what I hate. A signal of hesitation for sure. Yes. Uh and as much as I am trepidatious about things when I'm, you know, pursuing a goal, I, I like to keep the me the pedal on the metal. It doesn't yeah. need to doesn't need to be all the way down, but or the foot on the pedal, I should say. Not the pedal to the metal, the foot on the pedal. Um, but yeah, that would be my answer. Number three. Oh, this is going to be interesting. It's kind of going to be your first answer all over again. So let's see if you can try and come up with a different way. <laughs> what turns you on? Create. Uh, okay. I think that's, this has been hijacked by the author on this website, but that's just uh, the question. What, because they wrote, what turns you on creative, spiritually, or emotionally? Oh and yeah. I, Cause the original question is just what turns you on. Yeah. yeah. That's the and that's the question. What it should be. So, Mr. Rainwater, what turns you on? Uh, surprises, definitely. Um, like in other words, like finding like there is this feeling that I get when I find something I have never heard before. And I don't know. I said this earlier, but like, or there's like a new bit of knowledge that doesn't connect with anything I had previously. It just sort of comes out of thin air, and I it's um it just like releases some chemical in my brain that I'm kind of addicted to, where I mm. want to find more things and 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 do that exploration where it's like oh okay, now there's this whole other area 
that I've never explored before, where else can it lead? Because it can tie into creativity, right? It can tie into, uh, like, this last week and probably for the next month, I'm going to be getting into a lot of, like, uh, stuff concerning Zen Buddhism. Because, I like, I've had a little things here and there where I've kind of been learning about. But, like, I recently found this collection of um, Zen stories that I've been listening to on audiobook. And it's something for me, it's like really brand new in terms of just a way of telling a story okay. because they're not, none of the stories have like, you know, a traditional story structure and yet they're stories. Like they have sort of a, they have a beginning, they have an end and they have a middle, but it's just a very different way of like taking in that sort of idea. So anyway, um, all that is to be used as an example of just like, for me, it was very surprising to find that. And then kind of, and, and it leads to this new journey for me, like not, not only just like finding new stories, but like in my meditation practice, because I kind of have a new perspective in mm. regards to how I use meditation versus how I did previously. So, how about for you, Joe? Uh, what what turns you on? I get turned on, and this is hard for me to. I don't know. I I don't want to admit it, but I also don't want to. I don't, I'm also trying to figure out how to articulate it because I know it's not going to come out correctly. This is why I should have planned better. I get turned on at the idea of inclusion. And I'm not talking about inclusion in terms of diversity or anything like that, the way that Hollywood typically frames it. I'm talking about the idea of inclusion of openness, enthusiasm. It seems to be a running theme with my answers. And you know what I mean? Like willingness. I like the idea of there is no bad idea. Let's try it and see how we feel about it. Additionally, on a personal, on a more personal thing, I like the idea of being included myself where people seek me out, not in terms of an idol type fashion. I don't know. I'm not looking for an ego ego boost. Yeah. I like to know that I'm being included because people want me there because they enjoy me, not because they want my skills, not because they want my equipment, not because, you know what I mean? Like they just, they enjoy working with me. They enjoy, yeah, they, en- sure. you know what I mean? Like they take something from my, um, your presence. Is, yeah. Yeah. Is That's a turn on it. for them. So basically it's sort of a reciprocal kind of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, I like the idea, like I am always, this is, this is like a, I don't know. It must be a childhood trauma thing. I like when people approach me about working together, collaborating, doing something. I, as a young kid all throughout my teens, shit, my twenties, probably even now feel like I'm always the one initiating things whether it be plans to go to a movies or you know what i mean like or anything like that and after a while when you're a person that does that quite a bit after a while it not only is it it's wearing like it's tiresome on you you start questioning you know why why isn't anybody asking me why isn't anybody else doing the organizing of the plans do they not want me there are they just kind of placating me by letting me come along to this thing that I organized? You know what I mean? Like, so I, I get really turned on when I get approached about sure. something. That's, yeah. that's something that I, it's like a I nitpick. That. And that also, you know, when I say talks about creatively turning on or whatever like that, that's when I'm at my best. When I'm in that comfort zone where I know that I'm wanted. Yeah. It's not about my ego. It's not about feeling like I'm a big deal. Oh, I'm so great. Yada, yada. I don't give a shit about that. I really don't. I like, I like knowing I have a value to people, I guess. And that's my, my long winded answer. That makes sense. 
What turns you off, Mr. Rainwater? Yeah, I guess it'll, this will be similar to sort of what was my least favorite word is just like um, incuriousness. Mm. People who are, you know, you talk about something that you find very interesting and they're not even curious enough to sort of pursue, you know, and it's not because they have heard about it already or they have. When you say knowledge. pursue, you mean like ask further questions or yeah. investigate on their own or. Yeah, like just like or just open up the conversation about it, you know, like you, mm. you something that I'm having an issue with is like I, a lot of uh, friends I have, I try and talk with them about like really interesting new scientific discoveries that are taking place all the fucking time, like all the fucking time, every sure. fucking day. It's yeah. crazy amount of data that's coming out that people are like. That scientists are processing and going through, and uh, I had like this thing where I was kind of posting and want to talk about it, and the only reaction I got in my friend group was really just like, uh, this article was about how uh, a really interesting thing that scientists are finding out is that due to climate change, uh, animals are like adapting really fast, like they're evolving quickly, which to me makes a certain amount of sense because I don't think we would be here if like, you know, all the shit that wiped out dinosaurs really was like, you know, what we imagine it was. If evolution is as slow as we first presume. Like this mm -hmm. article was about how like, you know, we're kind of thinking evolution works about four times faster than we thought. And I'm wow. like, shit, that's, that's cool. crazy. Yeah. You know, and like the only response that anybody made in the group was just like, well, it's just because we're destroying the planet. And I'm like, <sighs> and I'm just like, you're not, you're missing the point here. Yeah. Like, it, like, that's one thing or another if you want to talk about climate change, right? Because that's a whole other topic in itself. But like, the fact that the thing that you're scared of destroying, nature, and you find out that nature kind of doesn't give a fuck about what you're doing. <laughs> Nature's going to figure out its own shit, regardless of like what yep. you think you're in control of. Like to me, that's fascinating because that goes back to what I was just saying about like, you're, we're not as in control as we think we are. And we're not as powerful as we think we are. Mm. We're kind of as a species really arrogant about our place in the world. And I think a lot of times a lot of that a lot of that attitude, you know, about that I was that turned me off, right? In that response was it's an incuriousness because that incuriousness comes from an arrogance of like, well, I already know. You don't need you know, like we don't need to talk about the subject any further. And I'm like, no, we do. Like this is kind of a big thing. So anyway, how about for you, Joe? What are your turnoffs? It, it, there's twofold. I, I can't I can't decide between the two, so I'm gonna stay them both because James Lipton isn't here to yell at me and say I can only pick one. <laughs> the first one is a lot simpler. Laziness. I am not a fan of laziness. I hate laziness. It's such a turnoff to me because I'm a big champion of the idea of the hardest step to take is the first. Meaning once you get going, momentum is a son of a bitch. It, you know what I mean? It can keep you yeah. in the winds. But at the same time, momentum can also work inversely where if you just lay down, oh, I'll just lay down and watch a show for 20 minutes and then I'll get up and do it you are less likely or you are more likely to lay there and watch six episodes, eat a bag of chips. You're not know, like the laziness. <laughs> it can go the same way. So the idea that anyone chooses to make that decision at any point to, Oh, that's good enough. Oh, that's, you know what I mean? When people talk yeah. lazy, it really hurts me because it doesn't mean like, it means we're not trying to, to, to really accomplish something. We're just trying to get by. I'm not yeah. a fan of that. I like, I would rather die a legend and poor than I would rich and 
everyone forget who I was. If that makes any kind of sense to what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. I'm for sure. I'm more about chasing something new, breaking through, doing something that no one else has do, something remarkable. What you're, what you're talking about is my number two in terms of turnoffs. Because, like, I'm... um. I see that a lot right now with a lot of people who I think um, are are creative because I've seen the stuff that they're doing and or have done in the past. Mm. And there are several reasons why people would lose, you know, their motivation or kind of oh, yeah. stick towards more just a more conservational path. Sure. But I see that I'm like, you know, you're not going to live forever. Like you're basically consigning yep. yourself to just this is it. I give up, you yeah. know, you were here, you ate some potato chips, you died like that's. And I mean, you know, there are people who I guess are, are okay with that and everyone's on their own path. And I guess I'm not in any place to judge, but <laughs> well, but you know what the other part of that too is. And I think you and me might relate on this a lot, which is, I think the issue for me personally is that I start to feel sort of alienated because I'm mm. like, what am I doing? That's so strange that like, you know, like, yeah, you know, you can't relate to me anymore as somebody who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want to procrastinate or be lazy or like say, you know what, I'm not going to play video games or watch the show or whatever. I've got my own thing I need to work on. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. That, I mean, I, everybody's ahead. entitled to a day off. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. e even a vacation like last week shit with the rona i busted out the ps4 for the first time in a decade <laughs> um i have I, I barely play video games but anyway the point of the matter is is like yeah you can determine a day off but i don't know there's a drive in me where i would like to make some kind of forward progress as small as it may be and that's all that matters so like when we wrap up here tonight um i'm going out into the backyard i just got a brand new lighting fixture film lighting thing and I'm doing lighting tests because I can control nice. the color temperature of it. And I'm going to try and see if I can get a moonlight and see how well it illuminates what I want it to illuminate. I'm going to write down some stats and do all this and that. And I've been waiting all day for this. And I could very easily get done with this recording, go upstairs, make a bowl of ice cream, throw on professional wrestling, cuddle with my son and my dog and you know, call it a night. And yeah. that could be the end of it. But I want to do this because I don't have tomorrow is daytime and I can't do this during the day. It has to be yeah. done at night. Yeah, and then yeah. at, in the evening tomorrow night, I got to do work, work. I'm going to do a city council meeting. So you know what I mean? Like there is no room for, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Cause if I keep doing that, I'm never going to get something done. Right. The second thing that turns me off is I don't know how how to I'm just going to make up a word here. Inconsideration. Okay. When other people, not necessarily me, other people aren't considered when doing things that would directly affect them. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So like last week or not last week, the week before uh, I got the Rona, the in-laws were in town. Now, I take care of the house. I mow the lawn. There's a front yard and the backyard. In the backyard, there are steps to go down because it's a, we live on like a hill. I have two boards that I use and I lay down on the steps to roll the lawnmower up and down when I go from the backyard to the front yard. I don't like banging up the lawnmower, my lawnmower, down the stairs, scraping up the, the little chopper yeah. thingy underneath and all that. Yeah. My father-in-law came up here and without asking, took my ramp, cut it up to fix his screen house. In the <laughs> yeah. process, in the process of also doing that. Yeah. When my grandfather passed away, my grandmother, my mother gave me his tools, Right means a lot to me. It's something of my grandfather's. My father-in-law used my tools. He broke the hammer. Didn't Ooh. didn't ask, didn't bother to replace it. Yeah. Several things occurred. <laughs> I don't need to go into them cuz no one gives a shit. But the point I'm making is at no point 
was was I considered in any of this? Hey, sure. that's Andrew's wood. Let me just make sure it's cool. I can use it. Sure. Oh, I'm just going to use Andrew's hammer. Oh, I broke it. I should get him a new one. No, none of that. That's, I hate that. I hate when people don't consider other people. It's like my biggest pet peeve. Um, when all, all it takes sometimes is just a simple ask or a text message. Or you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing about it is, is inconsideration is so hard to do. It's easier to be considerate. Yeah, it is. I actually had an incident where I was the inconsiderate party uh, Ooh, over I'm the course hang of up on you now. Weekend. <laughs> What'd you do? Um, God. Uh, All right, I don't ordered... don't admit to it. We can move no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's not that bad. But I ordered Mediterranean food from a place, thinking that it was the place that I was going to order it at in Baton Rouge. And when I get to the place, it turns out um, there's a place with the exact same name over in Texas. And the in- inconsiderate thing that I did is I don't know why in my head I was just like, oh, you know, it must happen all the time. And I didn't call them back to cancel the order. And I'm in the back in the back of my head. I'm like, you know, I should probably do that. And then like over time, I kind of forget about it. And then mm. like an, an hour and a half later, I've got like four texts that are like, hey, when are you coming to pick up your food? Yeah, exactly. Uh, should we cancel it? And then after that, there's like several calls I found. Oh. And then there was a voicemail and the voicemail was <laughs> like, that was an extremely rude thing you did. Uh, you know, we asked you like, is the problem part, part of the problem too. And this is me being inconsiderate again, was like, they had, they had an accent. So I didn't quite catch the first thing that they asked me mm. because they saw my uh area code yeah my area code and like "Ah, this person's not in texas and i didn't quite understand what they said so like i that was i fucked all that up right (laughs) so like i you know i tried to i tried to smooth over and text them back and be like hey look i'm glad to pay for this order i'm sorry this happened etc etc and they ultimately there's it's okay you know but it it was I've only done that once before where I called for Chinese food and then I fell asleep and then I woke up and realized that I never went to go get it. But uh, to your, in your defense, I never even called them or, you know, apologized or anything like that. I just, it it became nothing, but that's only happened once in my entire life. So uh, you get a buy. You're forgiven for that one because I've committed a similar sin. Number five, we're halfway there, which works because we're about halfway through the podcast. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, fuck is just so good. It's such mm. a good word. I, 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 so the thing that's interesting about me is I didn't even start cursing, like swearing at all until like, I don't know. I must have been either junior or senior in high school. Mm. Maybe even after that, like, I think I did not use swear words very much until I was like, probably in college, really, honestly. Yeah, that's probably my fault. I'll probably hang out with you, both <laughs> you and, and Joker, like, because before that. Know. Did Joker swear that much? Yeah, fair amount. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I mean, I, I would say like. Like all my friends growing up in high school, they all they all swore up and down the hill. But like I just I grew up in a religious family and it was one of those things where like my parents are very they very much indoctrinated both me and my sister into this idea that like, you know, vulgar language makes vulgar minds kind of an idea. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is is like as I got older I found out like there was <laughs> Here's the problem. Because I never swore, I found that the times that I did, because they were so rare, and they mm. were only when I was super angry, I, there was a lot of power in it, right? So, like, like I remember times when my parents would swear when I was a kid, and I was like, oh, shit, like, this is bad news, whatever's going right. on. And that fades once you just use it all the time. When you're just, you, you know, like, when you're just going, like, uh, fucking, uh, I don't know. You know, when when... 
fuck is just like a it's not even a word at that point it's just like a um it's like a comma basically yeah, it functions right. like a comma it kind of loses a certain amount of its um vitality but like it is a fun word it'll always hmm. be a fun word how about for you joe favorite curse uh, word my Swear. favorite curse word is fuck it's the same thing because <laughs> there are so many different ways you can hit it yeah. you can hit it with you know what i mean the hard f fuck like you know what i mean like that's just that that could go so many different ways or you could go with the the long u fuck like yeah the the ck doesn't really get hit that hard because you know fuck i mean yeah you could actually now that you i'm could, thinking about it that's you, there, there you could find some use out of that for there's sure. so many emphasis that you can get off on it yeah um and there's so many different ways you can maneuver it. It can be fun and it can be threatening. It can be sexy. It can be, you know what I mean? Like it is such a, um, it's linguistic word. Yeah. Yeah, It really can go with anything. Um, I, and I grew up in a same similar situation where it was a very religious household. We weren't allowed to swear, which is why I think I swear so much is that repression. Yeah. That's usually how it happens. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, as a writer, I love it because yeah. it's color and it's flavor. It's something that can add to it. Now, uh, I've seen the studies too, where they like, oh, people who say swear words and stuff tend to be more honest. And I'm like, yeah, probably. Cause we don't give a fuck. Well, like, and you're just, you're not holding back your language because it's like, yeah, there's no box. Yeah. People who are holding back their language, they're thinking it in their mind. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think There's... that's a that's a that's a reality people really try and ignore a lot of times. Mm. What is what sound or noise do you love? Farts are always great. I mean, <laughs> you're always gonna. I mean, I love. That's the thing is like I love stupid childish shit, and farts are still funny. Like I'm okay. 36 years old and farts are still funny to me. That's fair. Yep. How about you, Jal? I mean, I could cop out and say my son laughing because that's what that's the, all the time. that's what all the the guests on the show would say when they did it. They, uh, <laughs> whenever I hear my kids laughing, and I love hearing Nick laugh. It's one of the my favorite things in the world. But if I wanted to give a better answer for the enjoyment of people who have heard that answer a thousand times, there is a there's a noise right when you start an engine. When you turn a car key and it's vroom, that purr, mm, yeah, whether, yeah. whether it's a lawnmower, a snowblower, or a car, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. I love that noise. I love that idea of, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's ready. That's that's what the 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 noise is is the the noise definition of the word ready, and I love that. I love the idea of ready. Nice. Let's go. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, whatever you know, the sound of disappointment from somebody. Oh, that's a pretty yeah, kind of <laughs> kind of. That's a pretty bad one. Or a sigh, you know? Like, especially if it's like a dejected sigh where you can kind of tell somebody is not happy with the way things are going. Or like a stressed kind of sigh mm. where you're just like, oh, something's going on in this person's head and um, this could affect me in some way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. For sure. How about for you, Joe? Least favorite sound? My least favorite sound is the sound of glass breaking. Mm. Whenever you hear glass breaking, nothing good is happening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, with the exception of Stone Cold, Steve Austin (laughs) coming out to the ring. If you hear glass breaking in real life, there's something terrible afoot. Whether there's a domestic dispute going on, a car accident or some kind of accident in general. Someone is getting hurt somehow. Money is being lost. Like, yeah. there's nothing There's nothing redeeming about glass breaking to me. And I, I 
whenever I hear glass breaking, you know, your shoulders go up immediately. Like yeah. it's just an unpleasant feeling. I'm not a fan of, of that particular sound. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? We already know the answer of, of this one for me, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Cause I've had so many different ones that I've sort of imagined in my head lately. Um, entrepreneur, although I am kind of an entrepreneur, so I don't feel like that's a good answer. I uh, think we're looking for a very specific thing. Yeah, here. I know. That's why I'm like, oh, how about cosmologist? Yeah. I mean, that's something like, that... like makeup. <laughs> no, that's a cos. Uh, what is that? A cosmetologist, I think. Oh, okay. A cosmologist, a cosmologist <laughs> is somebody who um, who does theoretical physics. Oh, basically. holy shit! I mean, I you could throw, you could blindly throw a dart at the board in regards to like the fields of science. In any one of them, I'd be happy with. Cosmologist is just the one that I always kind of return to frequently. Hmm. It's also the least useful one, um, <laughs> which is probably why I'm interested in it. But like, uh, material science would be really fucking cool. Um, yeah, I, I think science in general is fun. If apply, that's the thing is like, I bet as a job it probably sucks. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it, because you have to deal with all the arbitrary administration bullshit and getting your ideas shot down and having to go jump through all these hoops to you know do whatever. Mm. So mad scientist. Okay. That yeah. works. That's fun. Yeah. Favorite, <laughs> what is your other occupation that you'd like to? So it, it obviously it's going to fall under the umbrella of food. I love food for the longest time. I thought I'd be like to be a chef, but I've learned enough about it now that I would know that I wouldn't want to have my, my own restaurant or anything like that because there's just, it's no. Um, but what I really think would be interesting really interesting would being a food truck chef kind of guy. Nice. Yeah. Cause I feel like you have a little bit more creative room to change things. Oh yeah. yeah. With not as much stress as you would an entire restaurant. Like an entire restaurant has to have a giant menu, but a food truck can have like four items. Yeah. You know well, I mean? You're also and, like minimal staff. Like could and it just be you, you know? I, I like, I, uh, this is really weird to admit to, and I don't know how many other people feel this way, but I like cozy enclosed spaces, yeah. especially in the era of COVID. But I like being around people in tight quarters because I don't know, there's like a wholesome family vibe that gets along with it. And there's also, I think everyone that's ever listened to this podcast, including you and our four listeners, would agree the worst thing that can happen at a job is when your boss asks you to do something that's not part of your job description. And it's like, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to, I'm the guy that runs the register. I don't lift the cow manure in the back. I don't have to sweep up the puke from blah, blah, blah. Like that's not what I should be having to do. And I feel like in a food truck, because it's so cramped and small, everyone has their position. There's somebody taking orders and running the cash. There's somebody expediting and checking out the final thing. There's somebody working the deep fryer and there's somebody cooking the meat or slicing the meat. You know, like yeah. there's there's specific jobs. You stand there, you do your job, you just keep doing your job. And it's so, I don't want to call it easy, but it's simple in terms of your focus, where which allows you to be great at what you're doing. When you're not wearing a thousand hats, you know what I mean? If you were the guy expediting, taking orders and cash and making the sandwich, that's just too much. And you can't slice it the right way. You can't cook it to the right thing. You can't, you can't do the stuff great. And I yeah. like the idea that in a food truck, you could do it. You could get it a lot closer to your perfection than you could at like a restaurant or something like that. And at a lesser cost, at a lesser effort you know what i mean it's not that i'm being lazy it's just that you know there's a quality of life factor to consider as well if that's oh, your yeah. profession like long term yeah. you don't want to run yourself into the ground and i feel like you can take pride in your work when you can do something with your sole focus on it so food truck chef 
would be my answer for that. Nice. What profession would you like not to do? <laughs> Teach. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I'm figuring out my way of how to deal with that, but I think... Because there is a part of me that wants to teach, but I don't want to fucking teach. Like I wow. don't, like I don't want to show up to a room every day okay. where I'm like cycling through students. I just do not want to do that process. Interesting. And I think part of this has to do with like I never want to return to that sort of um, clockwork mechanical structure. Oh. I fucking hate it. Like mm. part of the reason why I'm staying in the sort of job that I am, A, I love what I do, but also B, like I get to set my own schedule. I get to do it as okay. I please, work when I please. And I'm not I'm not really beholden to a particular hierarchical structure, you know? I'm not beholden to like, you know, a million different people being dissatisfied with this or that. They don't like their grades, whatever. Like, I don't want to fucking do any of that shit. Mm. Now, if like teaching is, I make a bunch of videos or somebody invites me to do a workshop where everybody who shows up is showing up a hundred percent voluntarily. Mm. That's different. You know mm. what I mean? Where, where that's different from like a school, right? Where, even if it's college, you have kids who come to class who they have to take your class because they need the the uh, educational requirement credits, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be interested. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be invested in what they're doing. So I don't want to fucking deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. and that's that's and that's why I say, that's what I mean when I say teaching. You know, in that sense, I just I don't I would not have the patience to deal with it. Basically. That's very interesting to me because you got to remember I taught martial arts for 10 years, like a decade plus. Um, and I'll just throw this out there because it, it sounds to me like you're resisting the idea of routine and monotony yeah. that comes with, with teaching. And I can tell you this right now, that falls solely on the shoulders of the teacher, instructor in my case, yeah. where I there were instructors that would just show up Okay, teach this form, teach this move, yeah. and we're doing this, da, 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 da. Me, I always looked at it as opportunity and a challenge because every student was different. And the idea, you know, there's, there's you know, boilerplate crap that you can throw out there and 75% of the students are going to be receptive to it. Then there's five students who just don't get it. There's another three students who are only there because their parents are making them be there, mm. as you pointed out. Yeah. And the enjoyment that I had was the challenge of breaking those students and <laughs> not in, not in terms of I crushing their saying. spirit, but inspiring yeah, yeah. them. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and breaking their apathy yeah. or, or breaking through the limitation or the struggle that they were going through to access the information that I was trying to pass on. And it was a challenge to me to be creative in that role, to find what worked for different people. So for one kid, it could be, you know, he's a nerd, he gets beat up a lot, he doesn't have a lot of friends, and telling him, you know, I want you to imagine you're Spider-Man and you're fighting Doc Ock. And that little kid suddenly, something snapped in his brain and he starts fighting a little bit with a little bit more effort. And then you got like the juvenile delinquent kid who's there because his mom wants him to learn some respect. Well, I can't tell him to pretend to be Spider-Man because he's just going to fucking laugh at me. Like, that's ridiculous for him. But the idea that I could challenge his a lot of people who are like like um delinquent type people ever think they know everything they're very egotistical very whatever if i could tell him to put his gloves on and then i get in the ring with him or i let him fight a weaker kid and he beats him up bad and then i put my gloves on before i even get in the ring the entire classroom is like oh shit like the the teacher's getting in the ring and then I get to wipe the floor with him. And it's not in a malicious way. Sure. It's not in a, oh, look at how much better I am than you way. It's more of a, this is what I can show you. But if you gonna if you can show me respect, I will give that to you. And you know what I mean? Like those challenges of 
breaking into the the psyche of another human being and finding out how to help them yeah. that was always what was rewarding to me so it was never about the monotony of what i was teaching it was always about reaching the students and that's what i loved about teaching so i don't know i would i would challenge you to maybe reevaluate that that idea no of, that makes sense what you're saying for sure but you know it, uh, like i said everybody's on their own different path so I'm no gonna... I, and like i said like i have a very specific conception of what that means mm. to me in my mind and a lot of that just has to do with trauma of being a student right sure so absolutely that's a very that's a very different scenario from being a teacher um mm. so which is how i looked at it which was i had boring teachers who did not that yeah. see and that, that was the thing was i was the kid who struggled in martial arts and none of the teachers gave a shit to try to reach me and break through and i think that's one of the reasons why i was probably one of the most effective teachers was because I didn't want another kid to go through what I yeah, went through. And that's, right. you know, like that's that's how I had to apply it. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Jao, how about you? Like, <sighs> profession you would not want to, you would be most likely to avoid. This is difficult for me to answer because, to be honest, it goes back to your original answer for question number one about it's interesting. I can, I want to learn about everything. Mm-hmm. And as, as you know what I mean? As boring as a, as a job might be, I'll find something interesting. Even if I was like data entry, like, it's like, oh, how are they evaluating this data? How am I organizing this? Why are they doing it that way? How can I apply this to my own goals? How can I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. my brain works on that level. I, what profession would I not like to do? I guess the answer to that is going to be anyone that I've already done before. That's not in the arts. That makes sense. So like, you know, I, like I worked at a grocery store, a grocery store. I've worked, uh, at, uh, an ice cream shop. I've talked, well, I would go back to, I would teach karate cause that was a new challenge every day. And the only other monotonous job that I had before that I would go back to was working at Toys R Us. Cause that was very fucking fun. <laughs> Uh, especially around Christmas time when people are looking for a toy and you know that you have some in stock in the back and they ask for it and you're like kind of like their hero. That was the ego boost that I did enjoy being the guy that went to the back because I knew where everything was. And sometimes I would stash stuff off to the side for somebody that was looking for it that was desperate. Um, and I, I got I got a high off of that. But what would I not like to do? Yeah, just like what is the. Just the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of it, just like, oh, God. I'm drawing a blank. Something that I guess it would or be. Or even a, just say least favorite. Least favorite. All right. That's that's a better way to frame it. Um, I would not like to be a... Someone who runs like a slaughterhouse. Okay. Or something of that. Yeah. Um, I have nothing but respect for people in that profession. I think it's necessary. I enjoy the fruits of their labor. Sure. Um, very much so, as someone who likes to, you know, barbecue and cook and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not about, you know, not taking an animal's life. It's more so about doing that on a repetitive basis because I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird to me. I don't, I don't see the benefit of how you could grow or find something new about, I hesitate to call it murder. So I'll call it slaughter. I don't, there's no way to do it. That's, that's better. Or, you know what I mean? Like there's the, 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 that's been explored and it's pretty simple. It's kill something so it can be eaten. And there's nothing in that about that, you know, like they know the humane ways to do it now or da, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So to me, it would just be sad. There, there's yeah. nothing there's nothing to learn, nothing to grow, nothing to explore. And you're just, you know, that eventually like I would. a rough job for sure. I would. Yeah, I would relate too much to the animals because I'm a, you know, I've got that, you know, I love my dog, I, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not enough to turn me vegan, but yeah, um, yeah I don't think I could do that. Moving on. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. 
the very last question, actually. And this wraps up perfect because we're coming up on our hour. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? The irony of you watching this show with this questionnaire at the end while skipping out on church and now having right? to answer this question. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, basically, you know, what would be cool is uh, God being like, hey, I saved some space just for you. If you want to like, you got any side projects you want to figure out here? You wanted to try it yourself? You had so many complaints about my fucking take on things. Why'd you try it out? You get to be God's apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Basically>. fun. <laughs> he needs somebody to fill in when he takes his vacations. How about you, Joe? Um, it is going to sound like an asshole move to say this. But I would want to hear God say, I'm sorry I put you through all that shit. But Pop is back there waiting for you. So get going. I don't know. It's weird that I would want an apology from God. But that's that's kind of what, and you know, I did not want to go see my grandfather. That's kind of, that's, that's what I would hope to hear if yeah. it existed. I'm... I'm an agnostic. I, I'm not an uh, an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I'm open to the idea, but I don't think that there is. So, I doubt I'm going to get my apology. <laughs> uh, that's it, though. That's the ten questions, Mister Rainwater. Do you think there's anything on here or anything you want to add about questionnaires that you know maybe you've enlightened yourself to during this podcast i mean i think uh, you know or why why do you think he asked these questions to you know what i mean like what do you think these kinds of things reveal about i think people? it's i think it's about the spontaneity aspect to see hmm. how people respond when they're put on the spot in the same way that like you know how rorschach tests kind of evaluates people's subconscious personalities on a very rapid basis because the mm. idea is you just, it's the first thought that comes to your mind with a Rorschach test. Mm. And the way that, you know, those questionnaires are presented is sort of in a similar way where it's like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this question? Yeah. Because none of the, they're all very subjective questions. They're all about preference. They're all about um, who you, I think in a lot of ways they define you as a person in a certain way or allow you to sort of define yourself as a person. If somebody hmm. didn't know you, right? If they didn't know you at all, and but they saw your responses, they might get a much better idea of what you're like as a person and what do you, where, where your priorities are, right? Hmm. On a on a day-to-day -day level. So, yeah, I think hmm. those, are my, those are my final thoughts in regards to questionnaires, for sure. You know, I like it. I, I think a, a questionnaire is always a good thing to do. I feel like as podcasters, we've gotten to know each other even more than we usually do by tonight's episode. Or at least you talked about spontaneity. At least it lets you know where someone is at that point in time. Yeah. Because like as I as I led this episode off with, these are not concrete answers because I think we could do this questionnaire again in like a year. Yeah, and we'd probably have different answers. Very different answers, I would I would suspect. Yeah, you know what I mean, but, you know, I think I think tonight's episode is really about the idea of the art of questions, right? It's you know, yeah. Uh, why do you ask a question? What do you glean from an answer? Yeah. Um, what should you? All that kind of stuff. So, uh, I think this was a good exercise. I think this is a good thing, and I think these is these questions are great things for artists to both ask themselves, ask their characters. When they're storytelling. Oh, yeah. No, that's a um, great idea, actually. You know what I mean? Just as an exercise yeah. to to kind of develop things a little bit more. Because I could, you know, you could, we could role play as different characters. I could answer this as Ian Malcolm, and you could answer it as Jake from uh, Trailer Park Warlock. And the, the answers would be, you know, we would come up with different answers yeah. for 
for our characters and stuff. So I think it's very interesting and useful. I think questionnaires are both fun. It's more than just, you know, what a girl pulls out of fucking cosmopolitan to, to get, you know, her future love light predicted or whatever. You can really use questions to self-examine and examine your work um, and break through a lot of creative hurdles too, uh, because you never know what the answers might be. And that's what the spontaneity that Mr. Rainwater was talking about. But anyway, that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening in. Uh, remember, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts. Shit, we're fucking everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping we'll soon be on Amazon Music. I don't know if we we're on there yet or not, but I'll look into that. But uh, check us out. You know, if you if you dig us, recommend us to your your friends, family, whoever you know that listens to podcasts that are artists or maybe they're not artists or whatever maybe you're going for a car ride it's summertime and covid's basically over so if you're going on a vacation and you want to hear the sweet sounds of me and rainwater's voice uh you can check out a lot of our prior episodes we are hastily approaching and did we hit 100 episodes yet i don't think so no way not yet not we got yet. a sec we got at least until october i would venture i'm checking right now Hold on, everybody. I know dead air is what everybody loves to hear at the end of a podcast. <laughs> Chances are people have already tuned out. Um, but but for those are, of y'all still tuning in, you're going to get the magic answer, which is available episodes. No, it's not saying it here. Shit. It's, I know it says it on my phone. God damn it. So uh, let's make up. a bet. I'm going to bet we're at episode 75. Oh, you're very close. We're at uh, 78 episodes. So this will okay. be 70. This will be episode 79. So we are 20 episodes away, 20 weeks away. So yeah, October sounds five months ish, right? November. Yeah, That's yeah. when we're hit 100 ish. Thereabouts. All right. So we're coming up on that. So you got plenty of episodes to choose from. Uh, check us out and uh, we will see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all.